So this evening, um, in our little special editions about the Ross, I'm talking to, I think, the last Irish winner, Stephen Gallagher. Stephen, good evening. Good evening. How are you, anyway? I'm very good. Very good, yep. Um, Stephen has gone on since he won his Ross in 2008, was it? 2009? Yeah. 2008, yeah, I had to think about it there, yeah, 2008. <laughs> um, you've, you've gone on, you've started your own coaching company, you, you've kind of, you've morphed into a load of different things, um, mm-hmm. but I suppose we, we'll go back to, to what the Ross was and what the Ross meant for you. Growing up, um, being an amateur cyclist in Ireland and then kind of progressing into the professional ranks, the Ross is kind of always on your, on always on your radar, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the RAS is, you know, obviously institutionalized in cycling in Ireland. And, you know, from a young age, you know, I was very fortunate to be brought up in a cycling family. Um, you know, my, my father represented Ireland in the late 60s and early 70s. And, um, you know, there was always obviously stories about uh, the RAS. And, um, you know, from a young age, probably from... Uh, you know, when I was a baby, you were going out to watch it or, you know, in some shape or form. So, you know, I suppose it was part of your DNA to an extent, sort of growing up and in, in cycling here in Ireland. Yeah, it's, 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 I know it's only just gone, but it's going to leave a massive hole in a lot of people's calendars and a lot of people's lives over the next short while until it's replaced in some way, shape or form. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I, I'm saying this as a, as a athlete and as a, somebody who participated in it. I think for, you know, the people in the families and, you know, um, uh, the families that have put years and years and years of working it and the volunteers and, you know, it's the same faces that were there every year, putting in the hard graft, I can only assume, you know, that the whole left in their lives and, and you know, let's say that the disappointment of maybe not getting something um, is greater than, you know, what we're feeling as writers or as, you know, as people involved in the sport. So, yeah, it certainly is going to leave a hole. Uh, yeah, I, I presume there's a few wives this year going to be wondering what they're going to do with husbands that should that are going to be sitting at home for a, a week that they're normally not around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're going to have to use their, you know, holidays from work in a more beneficial way, like so, um, and not not come home from a week's holidays with cuts and scrapes and uh, wanting to lay in bed for three days with fatigue. But, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll call it fatigue for the for the the staff that work behind the, the scenes, uh, and I'm yeah. I'm only jesting at that. But uh, yeah. a, after kind of coming on from that. Um, um, in the last few years, you've been you've been coaching. I know, I think mm-hmm. you were, you were probably coaching two two riders. I was managing last year, uh, the two Connors. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How did you find? Um, how important is it to even younger modern riders? And I I know it's only a few. It's it's only a ten, ten years since you won your Ross. Like since ha, has the Ross still got the same? pedigree for younger riders has it still got the same draw for the young riders that you've been looking at and managing and coaching i mean you know the ras is um you know you know obviously specifically for irish riders it's uh it's a bit of a, a shop view in the sense that you know um riders that are potentially racing abroad that maybe irish kids that are racing in belgium or in france or wherever and they come back for the RAS, it's a chance for them to show themselves in front of selectors and also against the other, let's say, top under 23s or elite Irish riders. Um, because a lot of times when they're away, you know, in them foreign countries racing for teams, I wouldn't say they're lost, but maybe some people, you know, forget about them to an extent because they're out doing their work, they're doing their graft over there. And it sort of brings them back into the limelight slightly. And I think that has been a great benefit over the years to say, okay, we're, you know, where's these young riders? 
what level of that when they come back to Ireland competing against obviously international professional teams but also against other Irish riders you know and put themselves in the in the shop window for selection for Europeans or Worlds or you know under 23 World Cups or whatever that may be so you know I think that has been a major um, you know benefit to, to young athletes um, but you know we we've been very fortunate to coach riders you know let's say from the under 23 spectrum to men in their late 40s and who you know who've sometimes said to me or said to one of my coaches i want to do the ras and your first instinct is to sort of say to them uh no (laughs) it's you know it's very you know intensive it's a long time you know uh, the standard of racing maybe that you're able to get prior to it mightn't um you know mightn't be able to bring you around a certain condition to get through it well when you look at it from their perspective, it's a massive challenge. It's you know, it, it's just once in a lifetime potential time to, to do something like that, and um, you know that's how they look at it. And you got to approach their, let's say, you know, ethos towards the event very differently to you know an under twenty three or somebody who's an international rider. But um, I think from both end spectrums, not having the race now is obviously going to leave a, a bit of a, a bit of a hole, unfortunately. So. Yeah, no, it definitely will, and I suppose just um, as as a, a man in his forties, like I I do sympathise with you with some guys that are coming to you, you know, that may have come to you over the years and said, yeah, I want to ride the Ross, and you're going, Jesus, pal, no, uh, it, mm-hmm. you, you don't know, you don't know what you're letting yourself in for. I know, <laughs> I know, I, I had an easy managing a team, but um, yeah, seeing the Ross there after a few stages on the lads, and you know, it's. It, it's tough because it, it is just a different level of competition and it's not yeah. so much that it's just it's a stage race but it's just the length of it the the, the eight yeah. day the eight days the accumulation of fatigue the lack of sleep yeah I, and i know you can do the best you can with eating right and looking after yourself and and technology has improved so much over that but still it, it does it does get to you and at the end of it people just come out of it and, and they're they are in a body bag like a body bag yeah yeah and and you know again i suppose from um looking at it in two different perspectives from you know obviously an athlete or a writer um who is in their you know late 40s and even you know some guys i think have done it in their early 50s or in around 50 and and again full credit because they've got round but the first thing you think about is you know a are they fit enough to to get through each stage day by day and also be what is the repercussions of going through eight days for them in the long term because a lot of times it ruins their season because they're so tired from it you know they can't recover and you know it takes them months to get over from it but then they they understand that and they still want to do it and yeah. they want to do it because that's their only goal is it's once a lifetime opportunity to say okay i've done the ras and you know you're a man of the ras and you've you've been able to get through it which is a sort of a badge of honour to an extent. So, you know, full credit to them men that are working full-time families and deciding to go and ride around Ireland for eight days with a lot of 22-year-old professionals. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I know my cousin has, has, has ridden a good few times and, um, you know, he, he said to me, I've asked him, I've talked to him a couple of times about it and he said, you know, what was the Ross like? And I said, well, I had two French fellas riding around for four days with their brake lever stuck up my arse. And mm-hmm. what 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 did what did you get to see? I got to see someone's back, and that was it. Like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. when when it when you're down the back and when you're struggling, and when it's tough, it's it's very very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming coming back to yourself, um, 
you, yeah, it's it's hard to believe you're the last Irish winner. You're probably, <laughs> and you're going to you're now you're now going to be the last Irish winner ever of mm. the Ross in existence. Um, well, hopefully and, not. Hopefully something. <laughs> let's hope it comes back again in the future. I, you know, I, well, mm. I I do hope it comes back, and I, I do think, as you said, like for our under 23 riders, um, the development of riders in Ireland, it, it's badly needed, even if it comes back mm-hmm. in a, a five-day format, yeah. six-day yeah. format, whatever it might come back in, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely needed because I suppose just, you know, even if we look at the year you won, it, you, you know, Tony Martin won it the year before you, mm-hmm. and then you've got Postelberger, Frankhauser, uh, mm-hmm. Simon Richardson won it, you know, the, 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 list, yeah. of, the list of riders that have won it and gone on is 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 quite substantial. So it mm-hmm. it is a, as you said, it's a good staging gate for for. It, yeah. It it proves talent. If a rider can get around eight days, uh, they have the they have the body, they have the engine, they have the capacity to kind of go on from there, don't they? Oh yeah, I mean you know, the type of racing that it is as well, um, and I think this is from a a perspective of a lot of the foreigners who who come to do it and, and haven't been on teams with foreigners obviously being part of it. You know, they're seeing eight days with five five man teams is just unheard of. Obviously in Europe, you know, five man teams it's just crazy how small the actual team is. Um so to win it and them riders that, that have won it in the past and and obviously, you know, the couple of years that, that I was there and, and being up in it, it's so uncontrollable which means that the person trying to win it or, you know, the, the riders up there fighting for it just it's basically pure aggression and it's it's trying to be um, you know, let's say uh, trying to be smart with the aggression that you have because it's all about, you know, it's it's hard to be conservative basically in the race because they're so small teams and um, you know, it's very difficult to to control. You know, so I suppose it's a, a different race to a lot of other races that you would do in Europe and a lot of races that I would have done over the time. It's, it's a very different style of racing to, to basically take on an attack. So, um, you know, you get guys like, I remember when Tony Martin won it, you know, he was, uh, you know, actually quite, he could have went under the radar for the first three or four days. You know, we didn't really know who he was or, you know, if he obviously was that strong and then you know, he took it a few days to go and we couldn't get it off him. But, um, you know they they played it very well and uh, like I say you get guys like Simon Richardson and uh, the Austrians as well you know they're just super strong but aggressive at the same time so yeah I think uh, uh, Tony had a very very strong team he had Dominic Roland on that team mm-hmm. as well that year there was there was a couple of guys there was the, the pedigree from that year alone that went pro or went to World Tour quite mm-hmm. afterwards was was amazing like I think um, there's another Rabobank rider that, that was there as well. Uh, Van der Poel, uh, one of the, he was Van der Van der Poel. He was in the Dutch national team. Yeah, um, he wrote turn pro for Garmin, um, or well, what it was Garmin at the time. Yeah, so yeah. Garmin Sharp or something like that. So I suppose just yeah. just to your point as well. I I've often heard um, spoken of it's eight one day races rolled in with a general classification. You know, it's yeah. it it literally just go out and race every day and it, what mm. happens what happens. I suppose it, to talk about your own year that you won it um i'd say simon richardson was kind of sore after the end of it because yeah 
Yeah, probably was. <laughs> and and what, what was quite funny is me and Simon went on to be teammates two years after it as well, you know. So, um, so I got to you know get to know Simon quite well, and you know we we talked about the the race and uh, year one and um, but yeah. I mean, we, we were down to four riders uh, for most of the race, so... Yeah, Cass, um, Cass crashed that quite early, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he did. Yeah, I, I took the, the yellow jersey on the second stage, and um, and then on the third stage, uh, I think it was a stage into maybe Liston Varna, I think. It, it was indeed, Claire uh, Morris, Liston Varna. Yeah, yeah, so, and... Um, I think that the tactic was, uh, you know, obviously the eyes were on me, but we knew Mark was up there as well, not far off the classement. And, you know, we put the, we didn't want to basically ride. We didn't want to be sitting at the front for the next, you know, six days. It wasn't really on our plan to, to obviously take the, the yellow jersey at that stage. And, um, nor were you going to take the opportunity away, you know, if, if it came up. But it was a, very early to, to defend the jersey for that many days. Um, so, uh, so we decided that obviously we would, you know, be in the front foot a bit and be aggressive. So obviously, Mark, he was probing the attacks and getting in the brakes, and you know, he went up the road, and that we kind of knew that he would take the take the jersey if you know the race stayed as it was. And people were looking at me to chase, but you know, we were totally happy that Mark would take the jersey. We kept the yellow jersey within the team, and you know, we had options. And I was still up there. I remember on the on the climb just before there was quite a steep category one climb. I think just before uh, before we went into the finish, and you know, I felt really good and. You know, I was going well. You know, Mark's going to get it. I'm not far behind. Um, you know, we're still in a good position, and thankfully, Mark had the yellow jersey. I was still up there in the GC and with loads of cards to play for the for for the following day. Um, and unfortunately, Mark had a bit of a rock going around Limerick. I think it was. Yep. Um, I think it was around Limerick or somewhere. I had a yep. And uh, crashed heavily, and yeah, he was out of the race after that. So, and that really put us on the that really then sort of put us on the back foot because, you know, we had lost, um, you know, our, our key player between me and him. And obviously we had other guys in the team, but, you know, I think uh, the two of us were kind of up there in the GC and then all of a sudden, you know, the race is swept with Andre. And uh, and then that stage finished in Tralee. And thankfully I got in the break that day again um, and felt, you know, quite strong over the, it was the last time before Tralee. And I think David McCann won the, won the stage. And uh, but yeah, so we had to really reassess after that, you know, and um, we had to take a step back and see how we're going to win the race with only four riders. So yeah, yeah, I suppose with the the two riders close together, you know, you're always able to slip one into one break and say, well, yeah. man away there, and I don't have to do anything. But um, the next stage, then Tralee to Skibreen was the one that that mm. that Simon won, um, and th- there's never. There's never a, a flat or easy stage in any of the Rosses that I've I've watched over the years. There's mm-hmm. always the day that you think that something's not going to happen, it will happen. Or mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's like um, even this year's Paris Nice in some way, shape, or form. Does mm. a wind comes in or rain mm-hmm. comes in or there's there's so many factors that always play in into the Ross yeah. that not only makes the the race hard, but the racing is hard as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that the um, again, I can I can actually remember it quite good and, and quite unusual for me because most of the races I've done in my career, people talk to me about them and I just have no memory of them or, you know, they kind of all into a blur. But th- that particular day, and I, I remember we, we talked about it the night before we were in, 
the Earl of Desmond Hotel, the quite famous cycling hotel that um, a lot of riders have stayed in over the years. And we were there in Chile after that the stage before and discussed it. And, and we said, listen, it was a really difficult day. The next day through, through Kerry, and I think it was most people would expect us to attack or, you know, to be aggressive. And we really sat back and I remember going up some of the, um, I think it was Mall's Gap and uh, a couple of other climbs. I can't remember, but um, I think O'Loughlin was up the road. Uh, Simon was up the road and a couple of others. And, you know, we sat back and, you know, obviously that let the Irish team to the national team to the ride. And then uh, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I feel, I feel really good. And, you know, I felt very relaxed in the bunch and, you know, I was never under pressure and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, we step back this time, uh, let the other riders, you know, use up a lot of energy and uh, see who's the people that are going to want to race later on in the, in the, in the stages. And, um, you know, it was really the next day in the Clonmel that we then wanted to sort of uh, put our boat out, so should we say so. Yeah, um, I, I suppose a smart move there that let the hard stage be hard and then take advantage of the tiredness the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we did. You know, it was from the, from the get go. We, we, you know, I was very aggressive from the, from the start on the, on the next stage to, you know, into Clonmel. So. Yeah. And that, yeah. A big, that's a big, that's a big stage, 180 K after, mm-hmm. after a mountain stage. It's, it's, yeah. always, it's always going to be a war of attrition. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. And, and, uh, and again, you know, I was in the move and, um, Simon Richardson, he was in the move. I think he actually took the yellow jersey on on that stage. Yep. Because he me and him finished together, and obviously Cian Power won it. He he jumped us, I think, with three or four k's to go, and uh, I'm not sure where I finished in the stage. I can't really remember, but um, uh, you know, it was it was a long day, and again, you know, I felt good, and you know, I was certain. Yeah, you know, it was good sensations and a lot of, there was a lot of very tired people, I think, after that day. So, yeah, so yeah. with even bigger day the next day. So. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you know, then stage seven is Clamel to Roundel, which is, um, if, mm-hmm. you're not, if you're not familiar with Ireland, it's kind of crossing crossing from the Midlands, Midlands across into Wicklow. And there, there's no easy way. There's no easy way up there. It's all no. up, up, down. It's all heavy roads. And again, another massive stage, 177k. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's just seven, seven days in, and the stages are starting to get longer and longer. It's yeah. This is where it kind of this is where the bodies get sorted out, and this is where you know group heads are forming quite early in the stage, and the guys that are racing are racing at the very, very front, and everyone else is in survival mode at the back. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, you know, we had sort of talked about this and that sort of stage, you know, three days before it, that, that trying to preempt how's people going to feel, how's other riders going to feel, how's the team's going to be able to control the race at this stage. And, you know, with the data clan mail being so aggressive, people needed to ride hard. With the next day, the penultimate stage being so mountainous, at the end of the stage, you know, the mountains didn't start until 120 k from what I remember. So, yep, yep, you know, yep. you were hitting it fatigued. Uh, you were in your seventh day. You had a lot of sort of 15, 20-minute climbs. Um, and, you know, the benefit for, for me was that, you know, I'd obviously come off the back of doing a lot of racing in Europe and obviously spent, you know, eight years, nine years at that stage racing in Europe and a similar sort of, that's a terrain or similar sort of intensity. So, you know, I would like to think I was a bit adapted to it and, you know, I was ready for it. And, I, and stage races, 
generally, you know, I never um, I handled stages quite well as long as it was healthy. Like it didn't seem to deteriorate too much over over the race. So, um, and again, we knew going into that, you know, good legs and uh, and again, we needed to be aggressive from the from the start. And uh, which I think a lot of people were expecting the opposite. They were waiting, thought we were going to wait until the, the mountains. And yeah, um, just I'm looking at the the, the the stage details, and there's two K two Cat ones towards the end, drum golf and uh, sleeve them on or sleeve man. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're mm-hmm. and they're not too far away from Lara into Roundwood. So you're like you said, mm-hmm. the last 50, 50 30 to fifty k is where all the climbing is, and I presume yeah. everyone was going right. Sure, look, it's just going to be hard, and they're going to light up in the two climbs and let that be yeah. that. But yeah, splitting up the thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so opposite was opposite was put out. So straight away, split it up, yeah. and go, go hard from the get go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I again, I suppose of, the memory of, of that was um, we uh, we started attacking and um, oh, I think straight away I think thought to myself, okay, I'm actually getting getting away here because there was there was a big move on up the road and I think most of the people that were up the road weren't too high in the GC um, so we weren't that concerned about it we actually had uh, two of our riders in it Potty O'Brien and Benny DeScooter and remember you know it was only a four man team so you know the only people left in the bunch was me and, and Lloydie yep. and um, I suppose a lot of people thought this was strange but again the plan was to get across the plan was that we needed to get across to that and then that left everybody in the front so um you know we sort of said okay party went up the road with, with benny and um you know listen it was going to be it was sort of you know all our bust basically so yep. if you're either going to win it or you were going to come 10th you know we, i don't think at that stage we were interested in coming second so um I suddenly realized that I remember starting to make a couple of moves and all of a sudden realized that, you know, I was actually getting away and I was actually starting to open gaps up and that, you know, maybe the yellow jersey team wasn't as strong as, you know, what we, we had thought. And, uh, and yeah, so I think me and Dan got away and there was about four or five guys sat on the back of us. And uh, <laughs> I think the two of us went like a, like a steam train for about 30 Ks and we crossed, I don't know, it must have been. I don't know, it was maybe at least two minutes, maybe three minutes. And um, we got across to the group with Benny DeScroder and with Potty. And all of a sudden, there was four on-post guys uh, in the front with 40, 50 Ks to go with two big climbs and were basically five minutes up, you know, on the yellow jersey. And uh, and that was it. And then we just um, rode hard. Benny and Potty, just Dan, I think, blew his lights because he dust on, you know, we went across at 55k an hour to the to the group, and he was doing you know the land share of the work, and then uh, and then from that he he blew his lights and went back. Job was done, and uh, Benny and um, Potty O'Brien took over, and that was it, day over. So yeah, it it sounds yeah. it sounds very easy when you put it into practice or put it into words like that, but I, I'm sure on the road trying to look around, trying to see who was who was covering moves, who was who was swinging, who wasn't swinging. Um, and even when you're getting across, like, you know, yourself and Dan doing the work and you're looking mm. at the four guys behind you and you're trying to figure out whether any of these are close to you on, on GC or, or what's yeah. happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the benefit um, that we had was, uh, and, the you know, the big benefit that I had, I think, over most people was the guys like Potty, Benny and Lloydie, 
there was no need to explain things. It was so, let's say, you know, second nature to all of them. Yep. You know, their, their intelligence of riding in that situation and, and how quick we were able to respond to things and, and just knowing what the other person was going to do and where they were going to be. And again, the plan that we'd done the day before, obviously Kurt Bogart was, the, you know, the manager at the time and, and you know, he, he was, you know, pulling all the strings and obviously, you know, has a wealth of knowledge and, and was extremely, you know, you know, astute certainly on what we needed to do. And, um, you know, in that regard, we, again, were very lucky and fortunate you know, that you had them. You know, the the flip side is you, you still need the legs to pull it off. And, you yeah. know, thankfully, even though there was only four of us, you know, you still have to pull the legs. And you got to remember, with four riders, I mean, if you need to go back for bottles, that's the rider gone. If somebody punctures, that's the rider gone. If you crash, that's the rider gone. So, you know, four is just about enough whenever nothing goes wrong. Yeah. But in that race, there's always something, you know, you always have a puncher. There's always something wrong with your bike. you got to go back. And them small things, you, there's nobody else to help you. And all of a sudden, you have one rider out, and it's very difficult to, you know, to, um, you know, call for backup. So, you know, we were always trying to, let's say, think ahead and, um, you know, try and control the variables as much as possible. So, uh, but that, that stage, I, I felt I felt very good. I actually wanted to go from the stage. And uh, I remember saying to Kurt I remember saying listen I wanted to go for the stage win and you know he I think he firmly said not to <laughs> just concentrate on the yellow jersey and um but coming to the finish I think uh, a Polish guy attacked coming in the finish or he did Wojciech um, Dybel yeah and I think he went on to ride for Lamprey I believe yeah after that so um but yeah I was I was a wee bit frustrated that I, I couldn't go for the stage or, you know, we decided just to, to keep it together basically with Benny and, and Potty instead of trying to attack coming into the end. But, um, but yeah, so there we go. <laughs> no, no big complaints. No, but no, I understand when you feel good, you feel good. And when you, you have the legs, mm. you never know, they might fall off the next day. And if, you yeah. know, well, look, yeah. look, yeah, when you're feeling good, you, you want to, <laughs> you want to take, yeah. every, you want to take everything on. I, I know probably, um, your manager was looking after the best interest there to try get you into the yellow and make yeah. sure, make, still make sure you had something left. Yeah. Still yeah. make sure you had yeah. something left for for the last day because even last year that the yellow jersey changed hands in the the last stage and I I know there was at least ten or fifteen minutes of commissars with calculators looking at time bonuses and looking at difference <sighs> differences. So you know, Kurt looked after you there, like you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the race, race brain on and race head and all you wanted to do was attack, you know. But, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a good day. actually. And I remember, it was, I think that was the first year on post sponsored the the Ross as well. So. Um, well, no, no, maybe it was. Uh, I'm saying, I'm, was it? I'm looking. Maybe at, it wasn't. I'm looking at you here wearing an F, F, FBD jersey, anyway. Okay, well, no, okay, that's not. Then the next year, they must have sponsored the Ross. I can't remember. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it is. I, I think. think it was. It was the first year of Van Post sponsoring the team. That's right, and then, yeah. and then, okay, it was the first year of the Van Post team, and then I think the next year they went to sponsor the Ross. But, um, but yeah, yeah, no, it was a. Yeah, good time. Good yeah, time, so and you, you just like you were saying, like um, I I know Paulie rode last year's Ross. He rode with a, mm-hmm. a an amateur team, so he's still he's mm-hmm. still riding. You just you can't the knowledge that he has. You, you I don't think you, you can teach stuff like that to anyone anymore. Uh, no. Um, the knowledge that like Lloyd had and you know yourself, it's just you either have the brain mm-hmm. for that sort of thing or you don't. 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, I suppose that comes from you know from from Potty, uh, Potty's perspective, and again, uh, he, you know, had been racing in Europe and at a very high level for years and years and years, and, and again, whenever he was racing in France, and even before that, whenever I was racing in France, and a lot of people probably didn't even know where you were because obviously, you know, there was no social media or, yep. you know, a lot of times there, I remember coming back from Belgium when I'd been, you know, riding a flipping Grand Prix 3 or Head Folk or something and, you know, people saying, oh, are you still riding the bike? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm st- still riding the bike, yeah. Still doing a wee bit, you know, uh, because there's no idea where you were doing or what you were at. And like guys like Potty spent years, you know, developing his craft in France and in Belgium or whatever and, you know, that astuteness and experience that he built up from riding at that high level for long periods of time is, uh, you know, it's hard to learn. It's not something you can teach in a, in a classroom or, you know, in a, in a hotel the night before telling you what to do in the stage. You know, you got to, you know, make the mistakes. you got to learn from them over long periods of time. And, yeah, I suppose that's how, you know, uh, it comes around. Just while we're talking on party, uh I know one of my friends from America, Mike Creed, I don't know if you've ever come across him, he rode with Discovery. Um, he yes, t- yes, I did race with Mike Creed, yeah. And yeah, some. yeah no, he, he even talks well of, of Paddy. He remembers riding with he in Asia, I think it was Tour, mm-hmm. Ta- Tour of Taiwan, and you know, there'd be attacks, attacks, attacks. Mm-hmm. And just when the race had settled down, he said one small little fucker in a green jersey would ping off up the road and we'd all, <laughs> we'd all start off again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'd all start start all over again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was yeah. that. That's that. Uh, it's always the perfect time to attack when everyone's on the limit and everyone's after been attacking for a long time. Just try go again because that oh, that's yeah. mo- most likely the time you're going to get away. Yeah, I actually, um, I uh, in my early years, I uh, spent a long time racing in France as an amateur, and um, I rode for a team down in Albi, Albi Velosport, which at that time was the the feeder team, the AG2R, so we were on racing and basically edgy to our kit and you know there was kind of a, a number of riders that sort of went pro from that team into edgy to and there was a it was an old russian guy on the on the team um and he uh igor pavlov was his name and igor remember when i first joined and i was maybe only 21 at the time and i'd spent a couple of years in Brittany before it and he said to me one of the training camps he says you know the best time to attack is whenever you feel like you can't and he says because if you feel like you can't nobody else can yeah. and he said it, it's that one time he said you always train he says train your body to be able to have that one bullet and he says that's that's the key he says if you can do that and if you know you can't do it all the time but whenever the form's good and you feel like you can attack I mean somebody else can't make that one move and he says normally that's that's the nail in the coffin for the rest of them so you know I kind of took that advice a lot of times a lot of times obviously attacking them failed but you know you, you you know you have that sort of mentality i suppose yeah yeah no it's you sound like a man that i, I could talk to for the rest of the night because you, you've raced Brittany. you uh, you've done some time in asia as well you, yeah. you know it's it's amazing to see such a, a storied so many so many riders in ireland that have so many stories um and i just i wish there was some way shape or form we could bring back the Ross and maybe even eventually mm. to develop a world tour single day race in Ireland, because I think, yeah. the, I think the country deserves it. A plus as well. Um, I've got two young kids. Um, and mm-hmm. I, 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 what I'm seeing is when they see sport, they can understand it. They can yeah. pay, partake in it and they can do. And it's something that I think I'm very passionate about is that 
kids need to see sport, whether it's, uh, you know, not necessarily just men racing, but if it's girls playing sport, women racing, whatever else, they, they just need to see it. And they just, yeah. if they see it, they can understand it that bit better or they can want to put their arms up in the air like someone. And that's all you want to do with, with kids is just give them that little bit of passion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's... Um... The flip side is obviously from the races, of course, and it's gone. You know, the other side is uh, from a, let's say, a, you know, a pro tour or a, a you know, a, a world level cycling events. You know, we've obviously don't have it. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing here coming up. Like you see in Scotland, they've now like the Women's Tour of Scotland coming on, and I think it's in June time. So it's yeah. a new five day stage race again. Brilliant. You've got obviously a tour of Yorkshire. You know, you've got the Tour of Britain, etc., etc. And um, I was involved with the Giro d'Italia when I came. I was the the event director here in Ireland for RCS for two years in the lead up to it, and uh, I was the technical director for the event. You know, obviously during the event as well, and having spent a lot of time working with government agencies and both north and south, as I was sort of brought brought across. Um, you know, it was disappointing in our eyes from an organisational point of view that it wasn't built upon so yeah. you know um and i you know from from working at i'm working post you know i was the event director as well for the um for the grand fondo here in belfast for three years and which is part of the legacy event but you know there was other uh races that we wanted to happen and i know from a, an appetite for cycling at that stage was massive both from a political point of view from an investment point of view the country wanted it but obviously got behind it and you know uh, more obviously i was seeing it here from from the north perspective and the, the you know in this 2014 2015 and you know they were looking at all options like a tour de france and the world championships and all stuff there was lots of talk going on but then you know i think politically financially here it, it, things just didn't uh, didn't turn around and you know, I just would have loved to have seen something like a tour of Northern Ireland or like the old tour of Ireland that was there in 2008, 2009, something like that coming back again. So, uh, but never say never. No, <laughs> never and, know. you know, you look at uh, the other flip side of that coin is the tour of Yorkshire and how Yorkshire has kicked on over the last yeah. last few years. And, yeah. you know, they're bringing back the worlds there. Um, That's and, and I suppose from a, a holistic point of view or an over a, a bigger view it's not necessarily the cycling is is what we want it's the tourism it's the the, the yeah. dr- it's the draw it's the it's to come back it's the the people that will ride the grand fondo it's the people yeah. that will that will come over in june when the event is not on to ride some of the roads or yeah. to yeah. ride to ride the, the five or six cl- five or six climbs or whatever else and yeah. it, it's that trickle down that happens and you know from your point of view, I'm I'm quite close to what's now the Waterford Greenway, mm-hmm. uh, something that didn't exist five years ago, um, yeah. and it's literally a 47, 47 or fifty k section of uh, old rail, disused railway track that's been repurposed as a as a greenway now, and the amount of tourists in the area is unbelievable. The amount of the, just brilliant, yeah. On Sundays, if you're going somewhere, you'd you'd spot the odd bike on the back of a, a car because you'd normally spot someone going to a race somewhere if you're up early mm-hmm. Sunday morning. But now mm-hmm. you constantly see a flow of bikes on the back of cars, and none of them are race bikes. You know, they're yeah. all hybrids, kids' bikes, 
you know just flat bar bikes and it's 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 amazing to see and i just i i do think we've we've missed an opportunity i i do i I've, i really do hope that something comes back for for a ross in some shape or form to yeah. build back up because even in spite of that we've now got more world tour pros than we ever had we've mm-hmm. got more conti pro conti we've mm-hmm. got so many more riders with irish heritage irish passports irish names riding across the world and it's just it's a shame that we don't have something here yeah and it's also i think that the awareness of the riders racing and competing abroad uh and then you know the on an international stage is is more profound because of social media because of you know marketing and, and different teams and, and again it's probably not being maximized upon you know here potentially for you know international races um investment and in racing here um not just the ras but obviously you know other events that that yep. sort of might come along and you know it is a shame as as you say you know the um the events themselves are great let's say like a tour de italia or a tour of ireland tour of northern ireland that sort of you know pro tour-esque type event um but what it filters down to is is how it changes society in the sense that there are hundreds of people going to the greenway there are hundreds of people going to your mountain bike tracks or you know park or whatever it is because they've seen cycling because they've been exposed to an event and all of a sudden you know it's changing their lifestyle it's changing their kids perspective on cycling and also it's changing potentially drivers attitudes to cyclists because they've seen a bike race and that's allowed us to be safer on the roads etc etc you know so it's all intertwined and um you know it's uh, unfortunately i don't have an answer to yeah no <laughs> to how, how I, I, change, the, but but uh, you know the, hopefully the, something uh, does come around yeah the, the two of us are in the same boat i think the two of us want something to change and t- would love to see something come back to build for the future and, and build for i suppose the next generation of, of riders mm-hmm. and everything else um, yeah i suppose yeah. um I'll, I'll we'll end on a positive note What's what's your? I know you you got your arms up. You you got the final jersey. But what was your best memory from that two thousand and eight, Ross? Oh, um, I think I think it was uh, the the circuits and and scaries. And uh, you know, I had Steve. You know, even the. the you're, you're after, oh, nope. yeah you're after dropping there oh sorry sorry yeah so um you know i think uh, i was just saying there i think i was kind of living in a bubble a wee bit during the race you know you didn't speak to a lot of people or didn't hear what was going on outside of the race and you know when i came into scaries all of a sudden you're starting to see faces and hear noises and hear people's voices that had you know traveled from you know all over friends of mine you know, non-cycling friends and cycling friends and family members and, you know, your close families there and relatives are there. And um, like, for example, I, I was actually um, asked to be best man at a wedding. One of my good friends, obviously, wedding was, was on the day before the, uh, on the Saturday. And obviously I couldn't do it because the, the RAS was on. So the, most of the wedding came down to the finish. So they had the wedding on the Saturday in the north and uh, nearly the, the bride and groom and a lot of the people from the wedding all came down to on the Sunday morning to watch me riding around scaries, you know, so um, I mean, just friends like that and having people like that there at the finish, you know, I think was, was, was pretty special. I think that was, uh, 
you know being able to share it with everybody else I think was uh, was one of my best memories so and that that is that is a perfect way to end that story <laughs> that is that is <laughs> yeah Stephen thanks for your time no problem at all thank you very much chat to you